Praise God for the little children. Amen. Amen. They ministered to me this morning. And particularly the young man who was frightened, but found the courage to keep going. Amen. And he battled through it, and the Lord helped him get through that. Amen. Amen. And I pray the same God that was at work in him will be at work in me now. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the awesome privilege to come sit in your sanctuary. We kneel at your feet this morning. For there are many other things that some of us could have done. But Lord, we woke up and come to the house of the Lord. We ask today, Lord God, that you would speak to our hearts. Give us what we need, Lord God, so that we can be victorious in this Christian walk. And so, Father, as we focus ourselves on you, we pray that you will pour out a blessing from heaven. Thank you for the privilege and honor that you have given me, Lord God, to declare your word. But I ask, Lord God, that as I hide myself in your gift today, that you would speak through me. I'm a sinner, Lord God, and I need your strength, your wisdom, to carry out the mission that you've called me to do. And so, Lord, as I be obedient, as I walk in submission to you, I trust that you would speak your words through me. I pray that your word would come forth with boldness, with clarity, and I pray that the devil will be horrified as you are glorified, and may your people be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to continue in the series of Nehemiah. This is actually the fifth week uh, of us doing the Nehemiah series. Pastor John did a very good job in covering chapters one through three. If you were not here, I just kind of paraphrased just a little bit. Um, we looked at the news that Nehemiah received in regards to the people of Judah in the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city no longer the city that it was created to be, the light of the nations, because the walls were broken to the sin of Israel. They failed to follow the commands, and their walls were broken. But the awesome story of Nehemiah is about God's correction, but also God's restoration. And so in the early chapters, Pastor John shared, um, in week one, he talked about in, his, in the application steps was to go to God in prayer, to come clean before God, and to connect with his mercy and might. In week two, we looked at Nehemiah, and we looked at how Nehemiah began to move forward to rebuild the walls. We looked how Nehemiah was looking for God's favor. God always guides as he provides. And then we looked at the faithfulness of Nehemiah. That was week two. 
If you wasn't here, I would encourage you that we have the CDs. You can pick them up after service and you can hear the message, the entire message. And then in week three, we looked at some of the strategies and the processes that Nehemiah went about in building the wall, how he surveyed the damage. And we were encouraged as well to survey the damage in our lives, some of the walls that may have been broken down in our lives due to sin, due to us not following God's command. And then we also were encouraged to select a team of people who God would use to partner with us. And so last week I began in chapter 4, and I was supposed to share with you about opposition. Because Nehemiah, when they began to rebuild the wall, they faced opposition. But in my study, the Lord was leading me back to a foundational principle in chapter 1. I didn't really understand at the time, but it's very clear to me now that when we face opposition, there's a prerequisite in order for us to deal with opposition. It's almost like if you were going to run a marathon, if you were going to run a 10K marathon or whatever the case may be, you don't wait to the day before to practice. If you know you're going to run a marathon in September, January and February, you are exercising, you're building up your stamina, you're eating differently, you're exercising, you're doing all those things to prepare for something that's coming down the road. Something that's going to be very strenuous, something that's going to really challenge you, you got to prepare for it. And so when it comes to opposition, especially from the enemy, that is a spiritual attack upon our lives. And we can't fight spiritual battles with worldly weapons. So how do we deal with opposition? That's what I plan to share with you today. Let's look at Nehemiah. Let's go back to chapter 1, and I just want to read verses 5 to 11. 5 to 11. Because I want us to see some nuggets of truth that's really hidden in Nehemiah's prayer. See, sometimes in the life of the believer when we say, Trust God, just pray about it. People, we use that word so much, it's like a cliche now. Pray about it. As if we just kind of go into a quick huddle, like a team on a football team. Uh, 542 blitz on three, ready, break. (laughs) And so we go in our prayer closet, Lord, this is what I need, thank you, amen. And we think we prayed. I may get it for some things, but when you really need to press into God, you're going to have to do a whole lot more. Amen? And so when I look at Nehemiah's prayer, it reveals certain attributes, certain values about God that I wanted us to catch. Because if we just read through it, there may be some things we miss. And so let's look at that now. Now, this is after he had heard the bad news, he prayed, he wept. He prayed and he wept. 
But after a few days, he went into a deeper realm of prayer. And this is what we're going to read here. He says, then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands and the decrees and the laws that you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even in your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from here and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight reverend your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And we'll conclude there. Last week, as I shared, I opened up and I said, regardless of whatever you're going through, God has a plan. The people of Judah and the city of Jerusalem was in a terrible condition, but God has a plan. And I, I, I tried to beat that as a dead horse, that God has a plan. Whenever you may receive some bad news, you may be in a tight hardship, God still has a plan. And it's important for the, for the believer to know that. Romans 8.28 says, we know that in everything, God works for the good for those who love him. Those who are called according to his plan. And that's great news for you and I. Because we can find ourselves in some very difficult situations. Some of you may even be here today. Right now, you are in a crisis. Walls are broken. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe it's relationally. Perhaps it's your vocation. And you have a sense of, uh, of, of fear coming upon you. Maybe you, 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 are, you find yourself in the midst of your crisis and you desperately need divine intervention. I want to encourage you not to worry about it, but to pray about it because God has a plan for you. And so to illustrate that God has a plan, I wanted to move away, I did last week, I moved away just a little bit to do a case study in the, in the process of Nehemiah. So I spent some time and I was looking at Joshua and I saw the looks on people's faces like, why are you talking about Joshua when you're supposed to be talking about Nehemiah? <laughs> I'm happy that you guys know your word. 
But it's important that we also not only understand God's word, but we also need to understand our father's ways. Not just his word, his ways. Because when you understand his ways, you understand how he operates. Amen? Many of you think of your own natural father. You know his words. You remember all the stuff he used to say to you as you was growing up. But you also understand your daddy's ways. Amen? And so we need to know our father's ways. And so I went over to Joshua because the people of Israel experience heartbreak. Moses, their awesome leader, the man of God who did miraculous things, who was to lead them to the promised land, had died. Can you just imagine how the people felt? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And they mourned for a little while, and they cried. But God still had a plan. And so we saw the conversation that God had with Joshua. Now, Joshua had no clue that his years of being faithful was going to promote him to a place where he was going to be used miraculously by God. That's why it's important for you and I to be faithful in the seasons that God put us in. Because promotion comes from the Lord. Lord. And he looks for those who are faithful. Not only in the church, on your jobs. God will bless you if you're faithful on your jobs. Amen. I wasn't trying to go there. I wasn't trying to go there. Just came, just came. So God spoke to Joshua. Now Joshua was trying to tell God, Lord, I respect you and all, but I'm really just an aide. I was just carrying Moses' bag. Whatever he asked me to do, I'll get him some water, I'll get him some lunch, and that's all I ever did. But the Lord wanted to use him. Why? Because he was a part of God's plan. Amen? So whenever we receive bad news, it's not all bad. We're just in a situation where we need to look to God's plan. Lord, I don't see it. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know your ways. And I know your word. And I know at some point you're going to come through somehow. And what I'm going through is really just temporary because you are preparing me for something greater. Amen? Sometimes God would allow bad news to be painful. You say, why would a good God allow children that he loved to experience pain. Maybe you never questioned that. I questioned that. But pain sometimes is what God uses to get our attention. He may not have caused it. He might have been trying to talk to us before, but we wasn't willing to surrender. And now that we are in a place of pain, we call on the Lord. Don't people call on the Lord? People who ain't even saved call on the Lord when they come to pain, right? (laughs) So pain is good. Pain sometimes becomes the pathway that gets our hearts to surrender to the will of God. Uh, 
nice story. I like, I, I like to use to illustrate this point. When my son was about two years old, we had a stove that when you turn it on, it starts ticking. And then the fire comes up. When he was about two to three years old, whenever my wife would turn it on, he would just take off for the kitchen and run to the stove because he was fascinated by the sound as well as the fire. And the fire, you know, parts of it was blue and the other parts was yellow. And I was sitting down one day and I was just watching this experience. And as a good father, I had to come up with a plan because my son can kind of get in that place where my wife is not watching, she's busy. At the time, she had two kids. That she, was stay, she was a stay-at-home mom, and she was dealing with two kids. It's hard to watch two little kids. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. They run around all over the place. And my son was fascinated at this fire, and I saw him looking at it, and I said, oh, no. I got to come up with a plan. Here's my plan. Now, I, now I thank God for wisdom. Because in my plan, I had to make sure my wife wasn't at the house. (laughs) Because she would have interrupted my plan. Because my plan had some pain involved with it. Let me tell you the story. So I'm at the house and I realized that and I was like, no, you know what? Next time I may not be here. So I got to do something. I don't know, I can't remember what happened, but somehow my wife was to leave the house and she went to the store or something. And while she was gone, I took a pot, put some water in it, and I put it on the stove, and my son came running. And I grabbed him, I said, son, hot, hot, no, hot, hot. And he's looking, he's trying to say hot, hot, but he didn't know that hot meant hot. <laughs> so I let it burn for just a minute or so, so it'd get hot. Then I went over to the sink, as a good father would, poured the water out, poured some water on top of the pan, so it cooled off just a little bit, but I still wanted it to be hot. So I said, son, hot, and I grabbed his hand, and I put his hand on the, on the pot after I was telling him that it was hot, and he touched it, ah, and it burnt his little finger. And I said, see, hot, and then I took the pot and I spanked the pot. And he realized that hot was hot. Never again did he get by that fire because he learned a lesson. God do the same thing with you and I. Sometimes there's some things in his word that he tells us hot is hot, but we still are fascinated by what we see. Amen. I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not. <laughs> so God has a plan. We saw in Joshua, I want to show you the consistency now of God's ways. That's why I'm still in Joshua. Well, listen to this. What did the Lord say to Joshua? He began to tell Joshua in verses 3 to 8, he begins to tell him about his plan. He tells him about the success that he's going to have. He reassures him that I'm going to be with you and that's going to be the key to your success. But he also gives him a warning. He says, I will give you every place you set your foot, as I promised Moses. God is being consistent with his word. Your territory, he starts telling them how long his territory would be. Basically, he was giving him the boundary lines of how far he can go. And then he goes on and says, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. 
He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but be strong and very courageous. Why? Because he didn't have the experiences that Moses had yet. So when God wants him to go do something, he may be a little apprehensive. So the Lord says, knowing who his son is, be strong and very courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. He says, don't turn to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be successful and prosperous. Nehemiah had the same understanding when you look at his prayer. You say, why did he say that? In Nehemiah's prayer, he goes into a place of intercession. And as we look at the prayer that he read, let me just pull out a few things that we see. Nehemiah praises God's lordship. Lord, you are God, you are creator, you are over everything. God, you proclaim your faithfulness. Lord, you affirm your love for God's people. He reminded God uh, that he imparts favor to those who are obedient. That's why he was repenting. And then he repented on not only on his behalf, but also his father. And what did he repent about? From being disobedient, not following God's decrees, his statutes, and his regulations that was given by his servant, Moses. Moses. Understanding that what he gave to Moses was important, was from actually from God. Nehemiah prayer teaches us that God places high value, high value on people following biblical decrees, principles, and mandates. That is very important to God. That his people will follow decrees and mandates and biblical principles. You say, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying these are things that are important to God. Respect for authority, submitting to one another, obeying rules and regulations, loving one another, conducting ourselves in decency and order, walking in accountability, accepting responsibility. All of these things matter to God. In fact, these are the very walls of our lives that provide us safety, security, and stability in our own personal lives. Therefore, when these decrees and these principles are not valued, if they are disrespected, if they're not adhered to, if they're not followed out as a respect for God, a city, a family, a church, the walls of our personal lives are vulnerable to chaos, 
crises, and calamity. I don't think you got that. When you look at the book of Ephesians, it gives us from uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 21, gives us a whole, many absolutes of the things that God, how he wants us to live as children of the light. And on verse 15 to 17, he says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He's, he, God cares so much about those things because how they provide security and stability in our lives. He even emphasized it to children. In chapter 6, he says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. With the promise. What do we gain what do we learn by following God's rules? What do we learn by following his decrees? And then he says, if you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you. And you would have a long life on earth. That is so powerful. My years as a youth pastor, I, get to, I was able to speak in the life of young kids and Kids would come in there and they would complain, my mama was fussing at me and blah, blah, blah. And I would always tell, point them to that scripture. I said, don't fight your mom or your dad with worldly weapons, because that's going to get you a worldly whooping. Amen. <laughs> 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 I said, but here's what you do. I said, the Lord says, obey your mother and your father. I said, it doesn't matter if they right or wrong. But you learn to honor them because God called you to do that. You respect them. You pray about it. I say, tell God, Lord, I don't understand. I think my mom is crazy. But God, you told me to honor her. I'm going to honor her. I'm going to deal with my, my pain and my issue. I'm going to give this to you, Lord. And I, wanna, I, I just expect you to move. And you should have seen the faces when kids would come back as they had been praying that prayer and said, God just really moved. My mom just changed. She's just talking and loving. and I, God is just really blessing me. And I learned as a pastor that in some cases they got more out of that scripture and applying that discipline than they ever got for any of my sermons. Amen. Because why? Because they had an opportunity to experience God. And God became real to them because he's seen how God was dealing with their parents. And God will deal with you as a parent. How many of you know that? You say something or a, a way that's kind of out of line, the Holy Spirit will deal with you of how you talk to your kids. He will convict you. You will get a spiritual whooping. Amen? And so kids was experiencing that. And that's what I wanted. I wanted them at the end of the day to experience God in their personal life. Because the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Nehemiah understood the power of intercessory prayer. And so as I got into the study, I realized that the prerequisite for dealing with opposition is for us to go into the first phase with our spiritual weapons of intercessory prayer. And I believe that God has a plan for our church. 
And God is calling the church, not just the pastors and the elders, but the body. The church is you guys, not the building. It's all of us. And I believe God wants us to go into a place of intercessory prayer so we can see the plans that God has for the future of ALCF. And I know that he says that those who seek him diligently shall be rewarded. And I want to be a part of a church that's rewarded. But we got to sink in. Have you ever been someplace and you had your phone and you try to connect to somebody's Wi-Fi and you can't sink in? Oh, it's the, one of the most frustrating things. You, you can't get through, you want to get to an email and the little circle is just going around and around and you're like, what's wrong with y'all? What do y'all have? <laughs> God is calling us to sink in ALCF to him. To sink in to him. So I begin to ask the question, Lord, what are the bylaws? What are the decrees? What are the mandates that you've given us as a church? What are the things that you're calling us to do as a body of believers in this local church? And scripture says in Proverbs 4, it says, get wisdom and understanding. Don't forget or ignore my words, hold on to wisdom, and it will take care of you. Love it, and it will keep you safe. Wisdom is the most important thing, so get it. If it costs everything you have, get an understanding. Our quick huddles on the football field, or praying in our car, God wants us to go further than that. God wants us to get an understanding. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So what are you saying, pastor? I'm also saying in Proverbs 19, verse 21, it says, many are the plans of a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. What is the purpose? How does God want to rebuild ALCF? And I think the beginning phase for that is for his people to build a spiritual bunker. That we hide ourselves in the Lord and find out how he wants to use us. Us. See, possibly the work that God wants to do is maybe it's not through one man or two men. It's the people of God. There are many leaders who are sitting out here right now. God wants to use you. You have uh, experiences with the Lord that will be beneficial to other people. And that's why I asked the sister last week to share her testimony. It blessed me two weeks ago. And as I was praying my, my, my message, the Lord reminded me, oh, I got to bring her here to share her testimony because it was very consistent in what the Lord had to say to us. God wants us as a church to come before him, to hear the plans that he has for abundant life. How much time do I have? Good, good, good. I was reading something the other day, and I think it's appropriate to share uh, here. Um, it kind of ministered to me. 
Isn't it amazing how God can just use certain things to minister to you that you didn't expect? I was reading this story about this tree. It's, it's a Chinese tree, and it's called the bamboo tree. And this remarkable tree is different from other trees. Uh, how it grows is very different from your normal tree. While most trees grow steadily over a period of time, this Chinese bamboo tree, once you plant it, you have to water it faithful, consistently. But for the first four years, it does nothing at all. Nothing at all for four years. And as I was thinking, I said, God, that is so powerful. And I just started relating that to certain situations. And I said, that's why we as a church have to get in our spiritual bunker and find out what seeds the Lord has given us to plant. You say, what are you talking about? It's possible. Let's just, let me make this a little exhibit here. Let's have exhibit A is the Chinese bamboo tree. And exhibit B and C are two other trees. The same God gave seeds to three different groups. We got a seed of the bamboo. The others got a different tree. After a few months of watering, praying, their trees began to grow. You start seeing some green come out of the ground, and they're getting excited. But exhibit A, nothing is happening. Six months, a year go by. Their trees are growing. They're up to the ground, four feet high, three feet high. They're excited. They're dancing. They're praising. And they're just talking about their tree and how good their tree is and what they've been doing and what they've been singing. And they're so excited. And people over here don't see anything. <laughs> what is going on? Folks, that's how we see churches sometimes. We look at somebody else's church and we see their worship team is growing. We see their attendance is growing. And we see this different ministry here is starting. Don't look at what other people are doing and think God is not where you are. Because what if God didn't give you that seed? That's why it's important to know the seed that God has planted here. And we follow the commands and decrees of the Lord. Not them. Not them. God bless them. Do what you do. But we got to do what God is calling us to do. And we don't have time to be looking at somebody else's trees. We got to grow right here. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So what do we need to do? Let's look at this passage in John chapter 15, verses 4 through 11. The word of God says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruit, fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. He didn't tell you when, but he did say you will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch, and it withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask what you want, and it will be granted. God is not a liar. He said it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, meaning followers. This brings great joy to my father. I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Your joy will overflow. Now, if you were to read that in the King James text, it would have a different, instead of the word remain, it would say abide in me. God is calling us not only to a time of intercessory prayer, but he's calling us as a church to abide in him. See, when you spend that quality time in the Lord, when you abide in him, when opposition comes, you have what's inside of you to withstand what's coming against you. That's your exercise. Those are the repetitions, the spiritual disciplines that you apply to your life to prepare you for the day when the evil one comes. That's how you're able to stand against opposition because God's word is inside of you. His wisdom is inside of you. And your confidence is not in yourself. Your confidence is in his spirit that's at work in you. So I made a practical application out of the word abide. I just, I study like this. I love application steps. I love when I hear a message, okay, Lord, what I need to do. Ever since I was 20, I sit down and I just write what I need to do because I want to work this out. I want to see it happen in my life. So here's what you have for abide. I think we have, okay, great. Abide. The A stands for ask for God's help for intervention and restoration. Ask for God's help. When you look at the walls of your life, Whatever it may be that is broken, maybe it brought you to a painful place, and now you're finally at a place that you're willing to say, Lord, I need your help. Because if we try to do it without God's help, he would allow, he would allow it. He will watch you struggle till you're ready to surrender. I, I also remember a time when my son was little, he was trying to put on his shoes, and he put on his shoes on the wrong feet. And he didn't tie them too well. And he was walking and his feet looked like this. And I say, son, let me help you. And it's amazing how at such a young age, the independence kick in. I I don't need no help, daddy. I can can do it. I can do it. And he running away from me. Son, but your shoes on the wrong feet. No, they not. No, they not. I can do it. I can do it. (laughs) Till eventually he got so frustrated that he couldn't tie his shoe. He finally said, daddy, can you help me? You and I do the same thing with the Lord. We can do it. We can do it. I'm smart. I got an education. <laughs> I'm intelligent. 
I got connections. Do you know how many people is on my LinkedIn? I can do this. When we get to the place, which is a very victorious place, God, I need your help. I can't do this without you. And you will see how good and gracious God is. Because it brings you to a place of repentance. And you're praying and you're asking the Lord for his divine help. B stands for believe you're worthy of God's help, his love, and partnership. See, sometimes we know that we, did, we dug our own grave. We know that we haven't followed God's word or God's way in a particular situation. And so the guilt comes upon us and the enemy say, you're not worthy. God ain't gonna help you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie. God is merciful, and God is long-suffering. Amen? Amen? Believe me, I tested him on these things before. He's very merciful, very long-suffering. And then I stands for acquire God's knowledge, God's wisdom, and understanding through the discipline of prayer and reading his word. Inquire God's knowledge, wisdom, and understanding through the discipline of prayer and reading his word. You say, why do we have to do all that? His word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. We have to go to the word to get direction. We go to the word and understand God's ways. When we can see that God forgave a murderer then we know God forgives us, you, me. D stands for discover the God-given resources the Lord has provided and has planted around you. Discover the God-given resources the Lord has provided and planted around you. Basically what this means is in this church, in this local body, around you, there are many testimonies of people who have overcome certain things in their life. You are a resource to the person sitting next to you. And I'm not talking about finances. But you are a walking resource, a walking inspiration, a walking word of encouragement to somebody who's going through something. And as we as pastors and elders get to know people and growth group leaders and so on and so forth, if, say for instance somebody was struggling in their marriage. We have couples in our church who have gone through some rocky seasons, but God brought them back together and they are madly in love and have more passion and love for each other than they ever had before. One of them or maybe both of them were at a place where they was wanting to give up. We know who those people are. And so if someone is going through that, those people are willing to share their story. And then you will realize that you're never alone. You're not the only one who's been through it. And they will tell you how God brought the love back. They will tell you how sin had broken their walls and divided their hearts towards their loved one. Those resources are here. Not just the pastors and the elders, but within the body. Amen? Amen? 
And then E, expect the God of heaven to move practically and supernaturally in your life. You got to expect it, that God is a doer of his word, that God is an overcomer, that God will sustain you, God will protect you, God will provide for you. He says, I will reward those who diligently seek me. Don't let the devil talk you out of your blessing. Don't let the devil hold you back. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God is doing a good work in our lives. And he wants to bless you practically and supernaturally. I thought it may be some folks that probably wouldn't agree with this. So I have one last scripture that I'd like to read and share with you. And this is back in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13 through 20. It says, so if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rain. So that you may gather in your grain, new wine and oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle. And you will eat and be satisfied. Isn't it a blessing, folks, when God has us at a place where we are just satisfied? It doesn't mean you got all your ducks in a row. doesn't mean that everything is great, but you're just satisfied. You just have a peace that passes all understanding because you feel God's presence is always near. Amen? Oh, we don't have the time. I had a testimony to share on that one. Amen. Verse 16, it says, Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain on the ground. You will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord has given you. Fix these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk to them about uh, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children will be many in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors. As many as the days the heaven are above the earth. God watches over his people. God has a plan. And if we would enter a time of intercessory prayer and then walk in abiding in the Lord, God will do some tremendous things, not only in our lives, but in our church, in our community, our families. Amen? As we prepare to close, I just want to pray for the days ahead for us as the church and for us as individuals.
Father God, we thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you, Lord, that you want us to have walls of security, walls of stability in our life. You desire for us to be uh, more than conquerors. You desire for us, Lord God, to be successful so that our life is a light. And God, we know that you are able. We know that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. And God, we know that if we come to you boldly to the throne of grace, you will meet us at the point of our need. Help us, Lord, not to hide, but to come to you face to face, asking you, Lord God, to meet us at the point of our need. Whatever it may be, I pray for those who have been weary, Lord. I pray for those who have been distracted. I pray for those who've been under the pressure and the, and, and the strains from the enemy. That you will release the chains, Lord. That they will walk as children of the light. And as they run to you, Father, we pray that you would meet them right where they are. Lord, I pray for others who are making a decision to grow deeper in you. They've come to church. They listen to the preaching and teaching. They read their word and pray. But maybe they don't have the fellowship amongst the believers that you desire for them to have. And I pray, Lord, that they'll be making commitments to reach out, to build relationships with those resources, Lord, that you have provided for them. And God, I pray that we will be the people of God that you called us to be. And collectively as the church, as we seek your face, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and make it clear what do you have for ALCF in this next season of ministry. Perhaps it's different than what it was before. Prepare our hearts, Lord God. Show us so we can build what you're calling us to build. That we won't look to the right we won't look to the left, but we will focus on what your spirit is telling us. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in the coming days. And may all God's people say, amen.